Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, no matter what time it is, it's a great day to be serving the Lord. Welcome to the Go Ye There podcast. I'm your host, Leland Johnson, and we are so happy to have you joining with us today. Marriage is tough for anyone. Marriage for those in ministry, tougher. Wait a minute. Didn't we just do this last week? Let's head into the open. Last week, we talked with Dr. Bud Stedman about some of the challenges that missionaries face in marriage. We talked about the statistic that 77% of pastors surveyed said that they felt that they didn't have a good marriage. And we said last week that this topic is so big that we'd reboot the topic this week. This week's show is a good one. We talk with Dr. Mike Edwards, pastor emeritus of Heritage Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Our interview with Dr. Edwards varies a little bit from our pattern, but we thought it necessary to deal with such an important topic. When we finish talking with him, we're going to talk about one of the dirty little missionary secrets that nobody ever talks about. Let's get started. Pastor Mike Edwards is the pastor of the Heritage Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. In over the 35 years since he started it, the Heritage Baptist Church has grown from just a few believers to a great work for God, not only supporting missionaries, but also sending missionaries out of their own church all around the world. Pastor Edwards not only functions as the sending pastor for missionaries, but has also served in various capacities with missions boards to help serve missionaries in all parts of the globe. Pastor Edwards, it's wonderful to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much, Brother Johnson. I'm glad to be with you. Pastor, so many times we as missionaries get so involved with ministering and feeding other people that we don't really have the time to be fed spiritually ourselves. As a result, missionaries a lot of times can reach the world but lose their own marriages and families. Would you start off by taking some time to challenge missionary men from the Word of God? I would be delighted to do that. And and I would add to it, that's not only a phenomenon for missionaries, it's, it's really an issue that can face every God-called man to ministry. Now, certainly here in the States, we have the benefit of being in a culture that we're more familiar with and maybe understanding where we are. We, we, we can put less emphasis on understanding our culture and more on understanding our homes. But Certainly on the mission field, the, the pressures on the home, I, I truly believe, are much greater than they are here. But I think the solutions uh, are still very similar. Uh, I would just draw men's attention to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter as we often do, but I want to concentrate on one word. And that word is in verse 29. I'll read the whole verse. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. And I would I would suggest to missionary men that having your wives and your families in a strange culture, isolated many times from people that are familiar with them, 
certainly isolated from their family back in the States, it really is important for us to make sure that our wives are not only nourished, we're pretty good at provision and teaching and so on, but I want to concentrate on that word cherished. Your wife needs to know that she is cherished by you. It's an interesting word in the Greek. That word is the word follow. We bring it directly over into our English, and we, we made our English word tallow. And a lot of people don't know what tallow is. It's not a word we use often anymore. But what it, what it truly is is animal fat. And uh, animal fat was rendered in colonial days. Um, it, it burned well. It was made into candles. But the whole thought is that cherish is to keep something warm, to keep something lit. And one of the responsibilities that a man has is to keep the relationship between him and his wife warm. I would suggest just a couple of ways to do that from the letters of that word cherish. And I, I think first of all is communication, especially for a missionary wife in a country where the language is being learned, is a strange language, where customs are strange. I think it is essential that the man sees the opportunity to communicate with his wife and not just communicate facts and details. Our wives need more than that. Uh, we need to communicate our hearts to them. We need to communicate our burdens. We, we need to use our words not just to instruct but to encourage. Uh, sometimes we miss the truth that women like to discuss, our wives like to discuss, not just business aspects and ministry aspects, but relation aspects of our lives. They want to talk about your relationship with them. They want to talk about your children. And we need to be very careful. We spend our lives as servants and ministers talking, but we need to come home and understand that we can't turn talking and communicating off. Matter of fact, we have to emphasize it so that our wife feels connected so that she can feel cherished. Second word or letter in cherish is H. CH. And I, I tell people, I think that means that we're to be helpers to our wives. In the Bible, we're instructed that our wives are our helpmeets. And any man who truly understands the value of his wife, finding a wife, he has found a good thing and is blessed by that and appreciates the fact that she is a helpmeet to him, a completer to him. But sometimes we miss the fact that one of the ways that we can communicate true love and communicate a real sense of cherishing our wives is not only let them help us in ministry, but help them in their lives at home. Help them with the things at the house that need to be taken care of. Help them with the children. Uh, help them in their growth in the Lord and their usefulness to the Lord. And so there needs to be communication. There needs to be help. I'll skip forward to uh, the I in cherish. And I think it is essential that men understand that we are the initiators. It's up to us uh, to initiate 
the things that our home needs. Sometimes we believe that we are the initiators in ministry. We're the initiators outside the home, but somehow uh, inside the home, our wife is supposed to take care of all of that. But but the education of our children is to be initiated by us. The spiritual life of our children is to be initiated by us. Romance and and closeness with our wives, intimacy, we are to be the initiators of those things. Uh, God very carefully calls us the head, and the head of the home in biblical terms is not authoritarian, the head of the home is the servant of all. That's the mark of leadership, not being dictatorial or authoritative, but in Christ's teaching to us, uh, headship and leadership is marked by servanthood. And that servant attitude, taking the initiative to meet the needs of our wives and children. I'd say one last thing to the men. I think that last H in the word cherish, maybe we ought to understand as honoring our wives. You know, every every person in their life has dreams and aspirations and hopes. And when our wives married us, they they folded their lives into our calling. They blended their lives into our ministry. And one of the things that we should most appreciate and be so very careful about is honoring that one, truly honoring that person who lives in submission to the call of God on our lives. Certainly, I know they feel a call and sense God's using them, but I, I do believe they they honor us uh, by serving alongside of us. And I I think that we must never demean them. I think that we are to highly esteem them because of that that sweet submission to us. Uh, that ought to in, evoke honor in us towards our wives. And so I would just suggest to men, just think about how do you cherish your wife, communicate with her, help her, initiate right things inside that home. Honor her for her serving by your side. Pastor Edwards, that is terrific information. Could you please now take a few minutes to challenge the missionary wives with the Word of God? I will. I, I'd be glad to. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say right off, there is no greater being on the earth than a surrendered wife to a called husband and and they have in their heart a desire. I know it's unto the Lord, but what an unbelievably gracious thing they do in blending their life with their husbands. I would just read uh, for just a moment from First Peter chapter 3, where it says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one, by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Uh, sometimes uh, we we hear things in, in the Word of God that maybe we need a little explanation. And what I would suggest to the ladies is that I know you're not married to unsaved missionary men, but sometimes 
the same thing that can win a lost man is what can tremendously encourage your saved missionary husband. I'm just going to offer you three words, and I, I think that they are a universal need, and I think your husband needs to observe them in your chaste conversation because you do fear the Lord and because you do love your husband. Here's the first word I'd offer you. Be affectionate towards him. I know that, that sometimes men are are not careful to express affection, and sometimes they're not careful to receive affection and appreciate affection as they, as they ought. But I would suggest that every man, whether he's good at appreciating it or giving it, needs affection, especially on a mission field where, again, he is, he is striving to learn language, striving to learn culture. Um, I, I do think that perhaps on the mission field, it's a little bit harder for a man to feel and sense victory because everything around him is new, and, and it seems like he's a, a student all the time learning something new instead of being in familiar surroundings, uh, excelling at what he already knows. And I think when he when he does come home, when he is in the presence of a wife, though he tries to have this very macho aspect ex, on the exterior, I think the guy needs to know he's loved. And I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give, even if your husband has not been um, everything that he ought to be that day, maybe he's had a very difficult day, I would just encourage you as unto the Lord, give him affection, express affection. I think closely following affection would be the thought of attention. Um, I'll say this, and I hope you hear the humor that's in it. Uh, us men, we really do consider ourselves to be cavemen, and we we love to beat our chests and be important and and I think if you can just be attentive to your husband, um, he is a servant, and his ministry is built on serving when he walks out of that house and into that community and into that church. He is all about serving. And and even a servant likes to, to have some attention paid to him, and I, I just pray that you would just be attentive to him. I'd, I'd add a third word, and that would be the word admiration. Admire your husband. The encouragement that comes through admiration is incredible. Now, I know it works best when he's loving you as you are to be loved, when he truly is cherishing you. But I would encourage you to express admiration to your husband. Express that you respect what he does, express that his message in that strange language was great, and express that he handled that situation well. Your admiration of him will not just redound to you, it will help him be encouraged in the Lord, and, and it will help him be able to study harder, uh, uh, work harder, preach more, I just urge you be affectionate, be attentive, and admire him. And through that chaste conversation, God will use you in a tremendous way to be an encouragement 
and a help me to your husband. Pastor Edwards, that is absolutely what we as missionaries need to hear directly towards husbands and wives, the things that we need to do in order to keep our marriages strong, in order to be able to stay in the countries that we're in doing the work of the Lord. Thank you so much for taking the time to share it with us. We really appreciate it. It's been a joy to be with you. All right, let's take a minute and have an honest missionary conversation. I hope that we don't lose too many of our missionaries with this part, but we'll see. All of us know that missionaries can make up any excuse that they want to leave the field. Sometimes they're telling the truth and sometimes, well, let's be honest, you know that they're not. Now, we've all heard of the missionaries that have been disqualified from ministry and had to leave the field. I'm not talking about that. But amazingly enough, I have never met a missionary, not even one, that has ever said, hey, you know what? We left the field because our marriage was falling apart. I mean, let's be honest. I've never met a missionary that said we left the field because we didn't like the area and just wanted to come back to the United States, even though we all know that it happens. The thing that everyone always says is that it was a health issue or an issue with the children or some other reason that they had to come back that makes it sound a lot more spiritual. And I'm not saying that everyone that says that is not telling the truth, but it just seems strange that it's always those reasons. And for that reason, I don't think that we'll ever be able to get really good numbers on the amount of missionaries that leave the field because of marriage problems, but we do know that they're common. Many of you are probably familiar with the name William Carey. He's called the father of modern missions, and there's a lot of books that simply gloss over what happened to his marriage by saying that his wife suffered a mental illness and breakdown, but it honestly deserves a little bit more careful of a look. If he indeed is the father of modern missions, then all of his children have inherited the propensity to have marital issues. Let me summarize their story for you. William Carey's wife, whose name was Dorothy, married a shoemaker in England. The name of this shoemaker was William Carey. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a missionary. He was just a shoemaker. Four years later, he became an ordained minister, and after 11 years, he felt God's calling to reach the heathen in India. William was appointed as his agency's first missionary, along with his good friend John, even though his wife Dorothy had flat out refused to go to the mission field. His friend John went to talk with Dorothy a few days after she refused to go, and she refused to go again. Three months later, William and their two sons said goodbye to Dorothy, who was pregnant at the time with their next child, to leave to sail for India. About a month after their departure, Dorothy gave birth to another son and named him Jabez, which means, because I bore him with sorrow. The ship was delayed that William and the boys were taking, and after two months of waiting to catch their next ship, William returned home one more time to try to convince Dorothy to go to the mission field with him, to which she refused. John, William's friend, returned the next day to talk with Dorothy again and told her that, quote, her family would be dispersed and divided forever, and she would repent of it as long as she lived, unquote. 
to which she agreed to go, but only if her sister could go with her. Now, let me just stop for a moment and ask you how you think this is going to turn out. To condense a long story, when they arrived in India, William consistently moved the family from cities that he deemed to be too civilized to places that he deemed to be less cultivated. They built a house, but William was constantly away on trips upriver to other cities. Next came the accusations from Dorothy of infidelity. After this came the fights that the whole town could see and hear. Next came the insanity, and then came her death. Now, before you even bother to complain, let me tell you my point. I'm not responsible to God for what William Carey did or didn't do. But many of our great missionary heroes had very, very questionable marriage and family situations. And that shouldn't come as a surprise, because the fact is that many of the greatest men in history outside of ministry accomplished a lot of great things at the expense of their spouse and family. Why would it be any different just because you put the title of ministry on it? Just because your work is building a church and not the next greatest electronic company doesn't mean that the effect on your spouse or family is any different. But wait a minute, you didn't tell the whole story of William Carey. There's more to it than that. Of course there is. But one thing is for sure. Jesus questioned the benefit of gaining the whole world and losing your own soul. Now, I know that the application is different in this sense, but when we become married, we become one flesh. In that, I would question the wisdom of gaining a ministry for God at the expense of your marriage. All that I'm saying is, let's stop making excuses and hiding behind the title of ministry as an excuse to have a bad marriage. Let me direct you to a resource called Missionary Marriage Issues by Ron Koteski. In this ebook, he talks about, well, missionary marriage issues. It contains the story of Dorothy Carey, as well as breaks down many other issues that missionary couples face. You can find a link to this resource in the show description, and I really think that it'll be a help in dealing with a lot of the problems that we as missionaries have. Let's get out of here. Okay, let's get out of here. In our next show, we're going to talk about the one thing that trumps all for missionaries. Oh, you built a church of 5,000 on the mission field and you planted 10 churches? Yeah, well, my two kids are second generation missionaries. Drop the mic and walk away. We're going to be talking with second generation missionary Seth Lundy and discuss the interesting topic from all sides. We hope that you'll join us. Thank you.